Hello. Hello. That's lively. That's right. I am Simon. I will be. I am the other Simon at the King's Arms, and I'm okay with that. I'm learning to be okay with that. I'm the other Simon, but I'm part of the team here at King's Arms, as you've heard. I've been in uh, Bedford for seven years. We arrived seven years ago uh, inside a Rover 100. It was green, and uh, I had all my worldly possessions stashed inside, and uh, also my very heavily pregnant wife at the time. We'd uh, we'd moved from America to be part of this community. Uh, we didn't come the whole way in the Rover 100, though I think we could have made it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so so here we are. Now we've had I've had two kids. We've got two kids, and and we're very happy to be part of the community. There's a picture of us, look, standing in a field. As you can tell, I'm punching above my weight, which is great. And uh, anyway, Faith, my wife, has given me permission actually to announce something really special for us this morning. I'm uh, really uh, pleased to say that our family will soon be uh, absolutely complete uh, as we adopt a cat. There she is. There she is. As you can tell, I'm quite excited about the situation. Eh? Very good. Yes. Right. Okay, thanks. <laughs> so I began working for the King's Arms Project um, as I say, that's our ministry with the homeless and refugees uh, as a support worker in our, our hostel called Barton House. Really as something to do, I felt like it'd be something worthwhile to do while I found a job back in sound, which was what I was tra- trained, trained to do. I, I didn't tell them that in my job interview, as you can might be able to guess. Uh, but seven years on, I'm still working for the King's Arms Project. And uh, I can honestly say there's nowhere else I would rather be Uh, The years I've spent as part of this church and working uh, with the poor for Project has absolutely changed my life. And I've never been more convinced that Jesus is the hope of the world, that he is uh, the hope for the homeless, that he's hope for every refugee, and that he's more powerful than addiction, more powerful than homelessness, more powerful than mental health illness, and he's mighty to save. And... And I'm pleased to report that some amazing stuff is happening amongst the homeless in Bedford. Uh, Just in the last few weeks, we've seen seven homeless clients move into their own accommodation, one of whom had been sleeping rough for four years. Another, uh, we helped uh, reconnect with his wife and family. Uh, We've heard recently that uh, we'll soon be welcoming our seventh refugee family into Bedfordshire. We already look after six. And we've heard also that uh, two of our uh, clients have got job interviews this week. And we also love to try and pray for, for clients at the, at the night shelter or anywhere when they want us to. And, and just a couple of examples, there was someone that had pain in their ankle and someone that was suffering with psoriasis. And we prayed for them. And when they came the next morning, the pain in the ankle were gone and the psoriasis was massively better. So God is, God's doing some really great things, uh, really great things right here, right here in Bedford. So this morning we're continuing our series on Acts, which is a book in the New Testament written by a guy called Luke, uh, and it tells the incredible account of uh, the early church and its, and its radical growth. So today, if you've got a Bible where it'll come up on screen, we're looking at Acts 2, 42 to 47. Uh, For those of you that have got a memory longer than seven days, you'll remember that we also looked at this passage last week, uh, where Phil uh, looks at the apostles' devotion to the the teachings and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. And today we're going to be looking at the early church's devotion to the poor. 
So here we go, I'll read it. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in, the homes for the Lord, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those that were being saved. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are here with us. Lord, this morning we want to hear your voice. God, I thank you that you are that you are the hope of the world. Thank you that you are more powerful than any situation that we're facing. That you are more powerful than any hopeless situation that we're facing. Thank you that you're more powerful than addiction, that you're more powerful than homelessness, more powerful than mental health illness. Thank you that you're mighty to save and thank you that you're here with us this morning. We want to hear your voice, God. Amen. Great. So caring for the poor has been a fundamental message of God to his people ever since the dawn of time. The laws of the Old Testament protected the poor. The Psalms sang for justice for the poor. The prophets warned at mistreating the poor. And Jesus walked among the poor. And Jesus used every opportunity he had to emphasize God's heart for the poor. And the church's fundamental responsibility, as Paul writes it, to remember the poor. Because the poor are, are easy to forget. I, I, my wife and I went for a meal in town, and as we were walking back to the car, we walked past several people sleeping rough. And it's easy just to avert our eyes. We become accustomed to it, don't we? we the more we see it, the more used to it we get, the more easy it is for us to walk by. Easy to forget that that's uh, someone of value, someone's son, someone's daughter, someone created in the image of God. Really easy to forget, but we mustn't forget in this passage we've just read, we've, we see that the early church doesn't just remember the poor, but they've created a, a community where tackling poverty is fundamental to who they are. They contend for breakthrough, they provide for the poor, and they able, enable everyone to become everything that they've been created to be. So they absolutely nail it. And the mission of the early church is exactly the same mission that we have today as the King's Arms to fight for a day where homeless is ended, addiction is broken, prisons are empty, the lonely are in community, the wanderers have found a home. That's the day we're after. The truth is that poverty is a real thing in Bedford. Just on our very doorstep, there is real poverty. Thousands of people make homeless applications to the council every single year. Over 200 people come through our night shelter every year. And on any given night, the official statistics would tell us that 58 people sleep rough on the streets of our town, just on our doorstep. That's around a quarter of this room. And that's not even touching the kind of statistics about the elderly, the lonely, those who are struggling to make ends meet and having to rely on food banks. But the good news is that poverty doesn't have to increase. We don't have to... Uh, go along with the national trend. We can break it. Poverty can be broken in our town. 
And that the tsunami of love that's been prophesied over uh, the church and over this time in the church is going to be great news for the poor. Because as God moves in our town, then that's good news for the poor. People's lives will be changed and we will see poverty broken. So we want to build a, a community like the one we read about in the church of Acts. And the first thing I want to pull from the passage is that this was a church for everyone and anyone. I remember a, uh, a rainy Tuesday, it was a rainy Tuesday in November, and uh, again, I was sat in my green Rover 100, uh, but this time I was sat next to a guy called Stuart, and we were both, both crying as the kind of rain poured down. And uh, Stuart was involved in our Meaningful Activities program at the time, and he was staying at our night shelter. And that day, I was running a, a tennis course, uh, and he'd been the only one to show up, which perhaps isn't surprising. It was November and pouring with rain. Anyway, but Stuart hadn't been in Bedford very long at that time. Uh, I didn't know very much about him. I did know that uh, he was prone to some fairly violent uh, verbal outbursts. And uh, he was particularly uh, aggressive when it came to the subject of of God and Jesus or, or religion of any kind. And, uh, but, but that day, Stuart had started telling me a bit of his story, and he kind of come onto the subject of God by himself. And he started asking these questions. He said, how can I believe in a God who'd let my dad walk out on me, even though he said he'd never leave me? How can I believe in a God who'd let my stepdad beat me up night after night? How can I believe in a God who'd let me spend my 16th birthday homeless on the streets of London? How can I believe in a God who'd let me fall in love with a girl, I'd have a baby with her, then she'd leave me, and I'd never see him again? How can I believe in a God that let me struggle with a heroin addiction, a heroin addiction despite my best attempts to get free? Now, by the time Stuart was sat next to me in the car that day, he was 36. He'd been homeless on and off for 20 years. His relationships had completely broken down. And honestly, my heart just completely broke. And I knew that God's heart broke in that moment too. I didn't have any answers. He wasn't looking for a theological debate anyway. So we just sat and we cried. I told him that I'd pray for him. He didn't flip out. And I, we chatted for a bit longer and I dropped him off in town and, and kind of that was that. And if I'm being honest with you, Stuart had a pretty rocky time in our services. Um, he moved into our hostel called Barton House. And, and, would, and his aggression would regularly kind of get the better of him. And uh, after one particularly violent outburst, he, uh, he sadly had to leave. We had to evict him. It was, it was a sad moment. But he was involved in our meaningful activities, continued to keep coming to the courses we were running. And he came to one particular course called the Earn a Bike Program. And that's where homeless people come on a course, they learn how to fix up a bike, and at the end of the course they get to keep the bike. And he was particularly good at it. And so once he'd done the course, he helped me teach the course. And, and we kind of maintained contact like that. And eventually, he kind of really got himself into a detox. And then he went off uh, to a rehab. And I kind of thought, well, that's, that's that. But a few months later, out of the blue, he kind of wrote me this email. He said, thanks, man. I'm just not sure where to go or what to do from here. But you probably won't believe this, but I've put my life in God's hands and asked Jesus to rent a room in my heart. Good news. Miraculous things have started happening. John told me if... If you had a broken bike and I told you I knew a man who could fix it, you wouldn't need to know this man, but just give me the broken bike. To me, to me, it made perfect sense. I wanted to know who was fixing my bike so effectively. Jesus is on my earn a bike course. 
Seriously, it's been great getting to know God, and I'm excited to see what he'll decide to do with my future. Now, the last I heard from Stuart, he's still drug-free and pursuing the Lord. He'd rebuilt his relationship with his daughter, who'd in turn had a daughter, and he was learning how to be a granddad. His life had been completely transformed. And his story isn't an isolated one. God's breaking into people's lives, and God is changing everybody's life. And we see in this passage that um, everyone and anyone are remembered, they're cared for, and they're part of the community, that no one is excluded. And this is a community that reaches beyond the kind of economic status or social status, but goes further. For the millionaire, for people like you and me, for, for drug addicts, for, for homeless, for kings, for queens. This is, this is a message for everybody, that everybody can be, is invited. And in his first book, Luke gives, uh, tells, the Jesus telling, tells the account of Jesus telling a parable. And in this parable, uh, a master is holding a banquet. And the original invite to the, to the banquet all make weak excuses when it comes time for it. And so the master tells the servant to, to go into the town and to invite the poor and to bring those people in. So he does that. They, they bring in the poor and there's still room. So the master tells the servant to go further, to go to the highways, the hedgerows, to those on outside of society, the most hopeless, the most addicted, the most homeless. Go find them and bring them in. They're invited into a place at my banquet. This church is for everyone and for anyone. The ones least worthy in the eyes of the world are invited into this community and to take a place of honor at the table. So in other words, as far as Jesus was concerned and as far as the early church was concerned, there was no such thing as a hopeless case. You couldn't be too far from God. And, this, and so that message is true for us as well. You can't be too far from God. And that's one of the reasons why I really love this church. You could be sat next to a millionaire right now or you could be sat next to a homeless person. I'll let you take a look and decide which you think it is. But you can't, be, you can't be too entrenched, too addicted, or too poor for God. So the drug dealer, the prisoner, the orphan, the lonely, the depressed, the isolated, the millionaire, the young, they're invited into the church. You don't have to be on the margins. There's no situation or no one that is too hopeless for God. And so through their devotion to prayer, the church was seeing an amazing supernatural breakthrough in, in people's lives and in impossible situations. And as we pray, we can expect the same things to happen today in 2017. And as I've been kind of thinking about this, I've been thinking about situations that I feel hopeless about in my own life, where I've written off as it's always going to be that way, or people that have always been that way, and there's no hope for them. I just feel a challenge that there is always hope, that God is the hope of the world and nothing is hopeless. The second thing I want to pull from the passage of this is that this was a church where people truly belonged. I want to tell you about a time I was kind of invited to Buckingham Palace for tea with the Queen. I'm partly, te- partly telling you this to try and recover from the Rover 100 stories. And partly because it has a point. And, uh, and so my, we were invited to have tea with the Queen in, the, in the, one of the garden parties. And so my wife and I, we went down, and it's brilliant. It was a brilliant, brilliant experience. We went into the garden so we could wander around and had, there was tea and cake like you wouldn't believe. 
and it was, a great, it was a great time. We could go more or less anywhere, except for one area that we couldn't go. That was taped off uh, with a red rope. And that was where the, t- the queen had her tea. So I could get to within, I don't know, 30, 40 meters of the queen, of her having tea. I could watch her have tea. But I wasn't really having tea with the queen. I was having tea near the queen. <laughs> so to be in the community of the queen, I, I could only get so far. But this community didn't keep people at arm's length. They didn't have a red tape that people couldn't get behind. And, and the same is true for us. We must invite people into the other side of the red tape. It says here that every day they continued to meet together. They met in each other's homes, in temple courts. People were invited into family. This community didn't just feel sorry for the poor. They didn't just feed the poor. They invited them in. They invited the everyone and the anyone into community and real, real family. And we run this out. We run an outreach meal as, as uh, called Friday night meeting, and uh, up to sixty people come. And uh, uh, some of them are homeless. Many are not. Most are not hungry, because people aren't really looking for food. They're looking for community. And the food's important, but it's really the community is the core of what attracts people. And I, I think this is where, uh, um, where the world can often fall apart and it gets a little bit more inconvenient. Uh, handing meals out and, and then leaving is, is one thing, but inviting people in to, li- to kind of be part of your family is a different thing. It's a bit more inconvenient. We can't do true community, though, at arm's length. And it's great news because we all get to play our part. Because as a church, and and as the church, we have something really attractive to invite people into. People want to be part of us. Um, We're some of the richest people of the world, and we can really invite people in to be part of that. And I I think that we we do a good job on this. I, I, um, there's a guy that's been, been homeless for many years that's recently started coming to the King's Arms. And we asked him kind of why he came, what he likes about it. And he said this, he said, I feel part of the community. I feel like I really belong and that I really matter. We can be a church where the wanderers find a home, where the misfits find a place. Never underestimate the power of a smile, uh, an offer of a cup of tea, an invitation to sit next to you. That's the stuff people changes someone's day if they feel like they can belong here. And that leads to them coming back again and that leads to them changing their life. So don't underestimate just those little things that we all, we all have a role to play in. And here I just would say, if you feel like you're on the margins here, if you feel like uh, no one's really talked to me, no one really smiled at me, no one even offered me a cup of tea, I don't even know where the toilets are. If you're thinking that you don't belong here, then, then, then I would just say, you know, I'm really sorry. We, we don't want that to be the case. We want you to feel welcome and part of us here. And today is actually a really great day to be here because there's great things to kind of get involved in, to sign up to, to kind of get to know people and be known by people. And I just encourage you, that if, if that's you, if you're feeling no one really knows me, I'd encourage you to sign up to one of these teams and just get involved. There really is something for everyone. If you've got a lot of time or just a little bit, then there's, a, there's something for you here. So this community did more than, it did more than rescue people. 
it, uh, it gave to them uh, what they needed. Right, I'm going to move on. So my, my third point here is that they, they, gave, uh, they gave opportunity for all. Um, it's easy to read this and to think that this is, uh, this is this passage and think that this is about just giving money away. It might be part of that, awkwardly. But it's also about more than that. It's about more than kind of rescuing people. It's about giving more than giving people what they need. It's actually about giving people everything that they need to thrive and to become a community of disciples. So we need to go beyond providing practical needs and into providing people opportunity to become everything that God has called them to be. So the church is, is more than a charity just for handouts. In Isaiah 61, it says that the poor will go on to rebuild the ancient ruins and that through them, thousands will be saved. Not actually us, but through them, the thousands will be saved. Now, I honestly believe that every single rough sleeper, everyone that slept at the night shelter last night, everyone in our hostel is tomorrow's business leader, community pioneer, church planter, husband, wife, that, that the questions we ask of resource, where are the people, where is the money, that actually they might be sleeping rough on the street and that tomorrow they're going to be that answer. And it will take all of us to, take a, to build in opportunity for those people as they come into our community to give them opportunity to be part of us, opportunity to lead, opportunity to contribute. Uh, someone needs to step forward for those people. So this, this church in, in Acts was like, unlike anything else we'd really seen in history. They were devoted to each other. Everyone and anyone was welcome. And it'll take all of us to build a church like that, but it's important to remember that this, wasn't he- this isn't heaven being described. This is, this is a bunch of people doing their best, creating this amazing community that we can also create today. So there's hope for every hopeless situation that we're facing because Jesus is the hope of the world. And so if you feel isolated, if you feel uh, lonely or excluded, then you need to hear this morning that, that Jesus invites you into his banquet. That he sees you, that he knows you, that he loves you, and you are welcome here. You're welcome here in, in this community. We're not perfect, but we love uh, you being here. And, and so I suppose the question then really for us is, like, do we want to be a a community that looks like this community here in Acts. Um, I'm gonna, I'd love to pray for us. So if you're able, if you could stand uh, and, and I'll pray. God, I thank you that you're here, Lord. I thank you that you are powerful. Thank you that you are more powerful than, than any seemingly hopeless situation that we face. Why don't we just take a minute to engage with God and to, to let him bring up any area of our lives we're feeling hopeless about or anyone we've written off as hopeless. And God would speak hope to that situation. There is no such thing as a hopeless case. If you feel excluded or lonely or isolated, then God would say, I see you, I love you, I know you, you're invited in. You're invited into my banquet.
I believe that some here, you feel like, how can I have hope for others when I don't have hope even for my situation? And uh, if that's you, I just love you to raise your hand. We really believe that God wants to bring life and fresh hope into the situations that you're facing. It may be that for you, you just are looking at your finances and you just think, I just cannot see how this is going to work out. I feel like God wants to really speak just to make fresh of his abundance into your circumstances and really stir your thinking. It may be um, that for you, you've been facing kind of like you've been hitting a brick wall with relationships with, in your family. I feel like there's just something about God wanting to bring restoration in relationships in your family and where you've been plugging away year after year. The Father this morning wants to bring, bring fresh hope to bring restoration in those situations. So if you're feeling this morning, I've just got no hope. It may be that you're battling with mental health challenges. It may be that you've been battling with long-term sickness. Can I just ask you to raise your hand? If that's you, if you're facing hopeless situations, and why don't we be family? Why don't those around just uh, lay their hands on those that are responding? Father, we thank you that you don't change. Lord God, when we look at our situations and we can feel hopeless, Lord God, this morning we declare the truth that you are faithful, that you are the God of all hope, that you are the God of restoration that you are the God of life. Right now we speak over people's finances and we say, God, would you rain down abundance from heaven, Lord God. I pray for divine solutions, Lord God, to financial situations. Lord God, we declare that you are the restorer, Lord God, over broken relationships, Lord God. We say, would you bring restoration? Would you bring hope that you are gonna bring people out the other side? Lord God, we know if it's not good, it's not the end. <laughs> And you've got a better solution. So God, I pray for breakthrough. Would you stir fresh hope in us afresh in those situations? And for others, it may be that you've gone through a hard time and you feel like, I've got hope to give away. You know, you are an answer to the world. We are surrounded by hopelessness. We are surrounded by people who find no solutions. They don't know what to do, how to move forward. And you just feel like there's a burden coming on you right now to say, I want to change the atmosphere around me. I want to be the voice that brings hope. If that's you, would you just raise your hand high as well? We want to pray for you. If you've got a hand raised near you, why don't you go stand with someone? <laughs> yeah, Father, thank you because you live in us. We get to bring kingdom reality wherever we go. We get to release hope from heaven into every circumstance. Lord God, and I pray where people have sinned breakthroughs, I pray they would have opportunities, divine setups this, this week even, to bring hope and restoration where there is hopelessness. I pray for men and women in their workplaces, Lord God, to bring that hope, to bring restoration, to bring something of kingdom fullness in those environments. Lord God, thank you that you have given us a voice to impact. You've given us a voice to bring breakthrough in our circumstances. And God, I pray for just fresh courage this morning. I pray for fresh compassion this morning to see people as you see them. And to take those moments, say, yeah, I've got something of God for you. I've got something of his life for you. Just felt and just confirmed, Pete just had the same feeling. I just felt there's a number here. You were stirred this morning because you know I've got a heart to reach the poor. I've got a heart to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be the voice of Jesus. And something stirred in you. You got we're getting excited as we were reminded of that this morning. That you know this is that uh, you know that the need is almost endless, but we have an army of people or believers across the world that God is raising up 
to reach the poorest of the poor. There's a tsunami of love that's coming. And I just feel there's just the Holy Spirit here just to accelerate you on that journey. Maybe you've got business ideas that can create finance to, to help the poor. Maybe you just have got a specific practical gifts that can help. If that's you, why don't you just raise a hand if you felt there was a burning in you. And I want you to just head to the front. I want us to just pray for you. This is actually for all of us. We're called to be a church that reach the poor. But there are also going to be some people on the front line of this who this is your specific calling. So if you put your hand up, just head down the front and I'd love us all just to stretch out our hands to them. And if there's someone you know who's come forward or you like praying for people, we should all like praying for people, but if you particularly like praying for people, but let's just reach out our hands to these guys. Father, we just thank you for those that you are specifically calling this morning. And we just say, Lord, let faith rise in their hearts where their need sometimes feels desperate and feels endless. We, we know it can f- sometimes uh, feel so hard to keep going, but we just pray, let courage rise in their hearts to go again. We just pray, provide resources and, and, and faith and encouragement. We thank you, Father, for business ideas. We pray even from today, let business ideas fl- uh, flood in. Even the, we heard about the earner bike. We pray for many other ideas like that that br- bring dignity and hope back into the poorest of the poor that that builds self-respect again. We just pray, come Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are the hope of the world and that we are your body, that we are meant to bring life into desperate situations. And we pray for everyone who has responded and those that haven't yet come forward. We pray that you would give them everything they need for this journey ahead. We thank you that some of them, their story comes from a desperate place. Remind them of that. Remind them that where you brought them from is where they can bring others from that they can bring others into a place of life. And we just say, come Spirit of God, re- say release the hands and the feet and the voice of Jesus to bring encouragement. Give them words that are just the right word for just the right moment. We pray right now in Jesus' name. I want to pray particularly if you've got a passion to work with those with mental health. This is a massive issue in our, in our world today. Just raise a hand if that's you because I particularly want to pray for you. If you've got, either you already are or you felt God speaking to you. There's someone, just put your hand up high because I really want to pray our best prayers for this. This is such a critical issue. There's someone near you with a hand up. Let's pray for this. We need a breakthrough on the issue of mental health in this nation and in the nations. We need hope. It is desperate. I'm speaking to mental health workers regularly and they are desperate. They are desperate for breakthrough. Let's pray right now. Father, we pray for everyone who's called specifically to work in the area of mental health. We pray, come Spirit of God. We pray for solutions from heaven. Father, the doctors are using medication that was created in the 60s, the 1960s. It's 50 years out of date. We pray, give us help. Give us, Lord, life. Give us your power where there are no answers medically, really, just kind of sticking plasters. We say, come, Spirit of God, raise up an army of people with encouragement, with skills, with faith. We pray for the invention of new medication that can help stabilize and bring hope. We say, Lord God, do something significant in our day. We're seeing families destroyed by this issue. And we say, Lord, come, Spirit of God, fall on us as a community. Give us dreams and visions. Give us inventions. Give us charities that we can start. Whatever it takes, we pray in Jesus' name.